you bless them today, saints? As you're standing, I want you to give a big God bless you to pastors, Eddie and Griselda Govea. We're going to go right into pastor appreciation. If you guys could move that back and bring up two chairs, now you guys may be seated. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, hey, brother, what's going on? Daryl's hanging this service. Thank you, my brother. He's over here. We blessed him in the other service. It's awesome to have guys working for the church. You guys are just amazing. We have room for your family if we'll get some ushers to help. I know we're taking our time. Let's get some chairs for these guys. Unless you want them to sit in the front, it's up to you. It'll be up to you guys. This guy, he's always got, you know, the little shy, you know, this guy's a little shy in the eye thing. That's okay. Be shy. I don't want to embarrass church kids today, but how many are thankful for the Govea's family? Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to bless them. You guys who are in the back with the gifts, go ahead and take your time. Maybe grab a seat right here because we're going to be a few minutes, okay? So maybe grab a seat over there on the side. <sighs> Praise God. After all of these years to see faithful pastors like this, man, what I want to do is take the next few moments to bless them and encourage them and then have at least two or three of you guys share a testimony about what they've met in your life, okay? So would everybody be ready to share a testimony in the next few minutes? Would that be good? Okay. Open up your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. As we think about the Govea's, my wife and I were reminded of earlier days, younger days, and uh, all the memories that we have, you know, so often time goes by fast and it just passes you by. And it's when you look back that you see how far you have gone, you know. And for me, I try not to be too nostalgic all the time because I want to live in the moment, you know. Like I want to appreciate you as a father, as a husband, a, a Pastor Berto, and just an amazing man of God that you are. But it's, it's always hard for me to do these days without going back to the very beginning, you know. To when you were single, ready to mingle, you know, and Griselda just coming from, I mean, guys, let me just tell Griselda's testimony, coming to the church from the background of basically being a girl at the bars, partying a little bit. I don't want to put your testimony out there too much, you know, and she was invited to church by her sister Susie, who is now pastoring in Dallas, and the service that she came to was an Easter service, right, and a guest speaker was there, and I know the church, and we'll, we'll have to make sure we get our geography right here of the church, but it was facing the other way. It was facing, so the podium was on that side, and I believe because if I'm on the podium, if I'm on the podium facing, you know, coming back that way, I believe you were at this side. So if I'm standing this way, you weren't right there? That's what I mean. So, so what side is this to me now? This is my left side. Okay, watch my left hand. Watch my left hand right there. Isn't that where I pointed? No, this is my left hand. See this? Man, the ge geography with the Goveas. Okay, now watch. Here I am preaching. Way back here. I'm going to go back here. Okay, here I am. Yes, now watch what hand this is. This is my left hand. Okay, now watch as I turn. Watch as I turn. Watch how this happens. Watch how this happens. Okay? You see this side right there? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know, when the church was flitted, for whatever reason, we are such truth-tellers in the church that we will have a five-minute discussion in front of you guys about where we were standing. So how many know that we have a great relationship here? Okay. 
But, but a lot of my memories have to do with position. So I just remember, we remember the church was back facing that way. But I remember standing here while I was preaching my little part, and you were, stand, you were sitting right there in the front row right next to your sister, okay? And during that time, the man of God, was it during the sermon or after the sermon that he pointed you out? Towards the end. But it was actually still like preaching time. It wasn't altar time. It was towards the end. And then he began to talk about someone is here as a sister, doesn't know the Lord, talked a little bit about that person's life, and says, this is your opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. And at that moment, she gave her heart to Jesus. Isn't that powerful? That's an amazing memory. And so I never want to forget that. And so that's how she started coming to the church, serving the Lord. And Berto, as we talked about a few weeks ago, came from a Roman Catholic background because someone was uh, coming to the church that he had used to play baseball with. And uh, we always need to keep that young man in prayer. I know he's married now, and I just think about him often because he's in some of those pictures I have in the back. And uh, Pastor Berto and Griselda just, you know, began to get to know each other, and eventually got married and all of those wonderful things. But here's the, the, the thing that I noticed right off the bat is that they had a call of God on their lives. And it was amazing during that time. And I think you, you've even mentioned this, and I know Jared has as well, because Jared and Susie obviously around that same time believed it was like a revival because it was like one after the another was getting saved. And there's a picture that I have in, in the back over there that during that time, there was about double of what we now have in the Bible college. So that revival got a lot of young adults on fire that were their age at the time. But then here's the thing, just like in the Bible, many turned away. And some of those uh, people, they got married and now they're already divorced. They're peers. Isn't that sad when we think about them? We have to say their names here, but we have to pray for them. Others apostatized, just turned their back on God, did some wild, crazy things. But they were faithful. And so they started working with the young adults. First, they were serving with me in the youth ministry. Then they started working with the young adults. And then eventually, they started a Bible study in their home. If you've ever gone to the Govea's Bible study in their home, raise your hand right here. Yeah, like almost the whole whole church has been at the Govea's Bible study because at one point or another, you had to go there just to check it out. Either you started off there or, you know, you had to go visit one of your friends there. And so they have had the longest reigning home Bible study at Metro Praise. How many years has it been, brother? I believe 10. Wow, 10 years. And what were you going to say then? Were you going to say something? Or are you just giving glory to God? Okay, good. I want to make sure, because if I had it wrong, if there's somebody that's been longer than you, I, I want, like we're going to have this moment again, you know. No, but it's like the longest Bible study, the longest running faithful Bible study over 10 years. And you think about all the people who have come through there and the things that they have done for Jesus and the Bible studies that they've started and the ministries and the lives that they've touched. They're so amazing as a couple. And, the, and, and as well as you look at them in their daily life, you know, like what Griselda is as a mother, what Berto is on his job. And, you know, we're not going to name the school here because they've actually, think about this, they have protested with signs with his name on it in front of the school because he attends a church like this. 
So we're not going to mention it right now. But this brother, you want to talk about real Christian persecution. This brother suffered Christian persecution because when, when BLM and all the riots were going on and we're sitting here going, man, we support George Floyd. We are a multi-ethnic church. We love every, every color of the, red, uh, the rainbow, red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in his sight. It's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. Somehow somebody heard through that we hate black people. And they, they, they heard through that we hate black people people so much that they told the black people that we came to our church that they were, they were racist. So that's how deep the racism went. If anybody remembers, like, uh, what was it, Chris Rock that did that joke where he was blind, but he was raised by a racist family? Is that Chris Rock? And then he's being racist? Dave Chappelle, thank you. Yeah, it's like one of, one of these old school comedians. And it's like, yeah, uh, Metro Praise is so racist, even the black people are racist. But you know, how many know it wasn't that the black people were racist, it's that BLM at that point was acting stupid. They were miscategorizing a love for a nationality or a people group based on whether or not you supported tearing down cities. So now put this into the perspective of where our brother's at. He works at a charter school. And so they found out where he worked because at that time, we just naively put all of our leaders' first and last names on our website. We can't do that anymore. Only first and last name that's there is my wife and I's name. And they found my address. And I had a brother stay in the church, uh, the, from the church, stay with me in my, uh, my house a little bit because I didn't know what they were attempting to do, but threats were being made towards our lives. But now imagine this, brothers and sisters. You're going to your job, and they're holding up signs saying, fire, Eddie Berto Govea. Would you still live for Jesus? I mean, what would you do during that time? Or how about at least would you leave your church and be like, hey, man, I deny Metro praise. I don't know those guys. I'm going to this church over here. I'm cool with that pastor who ran for mayor. I'm with that guy, you know. No, this brother showed up kept being faithful. And I remember during that time, him and I spent a day at the river. We were hanging out, and I was just talking to you there, there behind the boat, and I was just like, man, how are you doing? And you see how happy this brother is right now? You see the face of peace and contentment he has? That's as happy as he was in. I'm not saying that he wasn't upset or disappointed in some ways, but he was so full of the joy of the Lord. That gave me so much strength. And then he began to talk about, hey, there's other Christians there. Some are standing up for me and with me, and we're standing together. And God brought him through that. He got, I believe, promotions after that, like since COVID time in BLM. Have you been promoted? No, no, no different position. You just became same position, but you became a baseball head coach. So you went from being an assistant coach to a head coach, but there's no pay in that. No, no, no promotion, no a raise or anything there. Okay, so then once again, here we go. <laughs> Maybe I got to speak in more detail. So your actual position on the job, that stayed the same. But they gave you other jobs because at the time you were working, you were an assist assistant coach. Now you're the head coach. Okay. Amen. No, it is okay. I love this. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing some Oprah stuff up here. And I never want anybody to yes, yes man me, you know. So never yes man me because I have the mic. It doesn't change me from being wrong. But I look at his life. Wow, head coach of the baseball team, working at the school. People looking up to him and honoring him. And then you think about Griselda during that time. She supported her husband, the kids. And now you look at they have also brought in, and I won't say the agency, because when we went during that time, we had people go to our adoption agency or foster care agencies telling the names of the people a part of it to get them to have the foster kids taken out of their house. Everybody say, that's stupid. 
So here's the way you're going to prove that we hate black babies and African Americans is go to the place where we've adopted and done foster care and get them removed out of the homes. Can you believe that? I'm being honest with you. But that's how the world thinks. But not only just African-American, I believe they've brought in families from Latin America as well, some, some gringo babies you brought in, and red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in your sight. So not only are they raising their three boys, their precious family, but they're working with the foster care and bringing in children. How many know that's a busy life for Jesus? And on top of all of that, what they do for the ministry home Bible study here on Sundays, taking care of their family and others, always at the outreaches. But if you were to ask me, and as well as part of all the major decisions on the board of our Bible college and the church, but you know what I think is more outstanding than all of that? Is that they do one-on-one -on -one counseling with the members of this church as our pastoral counselors. Can we bless them for that? I have to... I... <laughs> I'm telling you, if I could get a gift card that would buy everything in Walmart, I would give it to you right now at Costco, wherever you guys shop. My wife and I cannot thank you enough for doing pastoral counseling. Thank you for that. I, I would almost say if you've done pastoral counseling raise, with them, raise your hand, but I don't want you to feel embarrassed. But some of you can come up and testify. See, don't be embarrassed. They're a wonderful place to go. And they love you. They do. And they counsel so gently and beautifully. I can't even count on one hand the amount of complaints that I've gotten from their counseling. There's maybe been one or two, but I don't even think I could fill up one hand. I think most people fill up one hand of a complaint towards me in one counseling session. Are you guys listening to me? One counseling session with the Wyrostics, primarily me, people go fill up just this hand right here with the fences, right? This couple... Over 10 years for this as well, I believe, right? Over 10 years marriage counseling, which you know is some of the hardest counseling. Counseling people with mental illness, and they're not psychiatrists or psychologists, but they're a middle ground. We believe in medical doctors, and we send to the uh, medical doctors our, our, our patients or our members, and we pay for the, free, uh, the first three sessions. Can I hear an amen for that? That's out of your generosity. You know, a lot of churches, they don't believe, well, I shouldn't say a lot now. It's become more popular. But back in the day, they didn't believe in mental health. We were one of the first to believe in professional mental health. In other words, if we notice you're having anxiety or depressive or OCD issues, go see the pastors. Pray about it. Maybe there is a spiritual deliverance that you need. But if it's not spiritual and it's something physical, bipolar, schizophrenia, they've dealt with it all. We're being very truthful here. And yet they have loved and loved and loved the people through it all. I remember one time I was telling this in the first service that uh, we had a troubled young lady going to what you would call like an alternative high school. And something happened there, and I'm sure you probably remember more than me, but they needed the pastor to come. So they requested that a pastor would come to the alternative high school. I believe it was a Christian school, and they needed one of the pastors to come and help resolve an issue. Well, we sent Pastor Griselda. That's, that's our pastor. She's a pastor. She's ordained, and both, both have been to Bible college with accredited degrees. That means that they are professionals in their career. I know a lot of times you look at churches, and nothing against it. That's their own prerogative. They simply call a pastor, anyone who's gone to a few Bible studies and been around for a little bit. No, these are professionals. They've gone to accredited Bible college, so they work just as diligent as anybody else for their studies. And so she's, she goes there, and uh, you know I'm going to put it in my own words right now. We won't have to have a discussion about this, but basically, the woman that works there is like, you're the pastor? 
Wow, you're a woman and you're young. Well, they wanted us to do something different about that. Maybe I should come, you know, and, and spray paint my hair gray at that time because I don't think I had any gray hair. So I needed to be older and man. And no, we said to them, that's our pastor. You receive our pastor and you be nice to her because if you see me the pastor, you're not going to like what comes next. <laughs> amen. Can I hear an amen to that? You're going to see a little bit of Jesus in the temple up in that place right there. And so I believe they ended up, did respecting you, did the meeting and so forth. But that's what she went through as a young female pastor, people looking down on her, you know. I don't think anybody could ever look down on Pastor Berto. Pastor Berto, could you stand up one more time just in case anybody didn't catch it when you came up here? Yeah, I don't think anybody's looking down physically at Pastor Berto, but certainly I know over the years people have tried to look down on him spiritually. We were talking in the first service because we had other pastors we were honoring there. And I was saying one of the biggest insults that I get is when people say, oh, I want to hear it from you, not from this guy, as if this is a cheap, you know, imitation of the senior pastor. So the associate pastor, he has half the anointing, and the senior pastor has the full anointing. That is so much garbage. And as a pastor, I've dealt with that over the years, and he has humbly heard that nonsense as even one example was, you know, someone saying, no, I want to talk with the pastor, talk with the pastor, and then Jared as well. They were getting offended with them. Well, as I said, and I've said many times before, if you have gotten and offended with these brothers, you will be, you know, in a, a few months, a few Bible studies, you will be offended with me in a few minutes. Can I hear an amen if you know there's different personalities? I'm not saying an amen to us offending people. What I'm saying is how many know there are different personalities? If I know that you and I are not getting along too well, I'm going to go right to that hot spot and have you make a decision right there. That's why I don't do greeting too much because I don't know if you, if you haven't decided yet on Metro Praise, I'm going to make you decide right at the front door. Well, I don't know. I'm just visiting. Okay, well, just have you go out. No, I'm kidding, man. No, you can stay as long as you want as you're visiting. But it, it's, it's sometimes because, you know, you've, you've met me or talked to me. I'm pretty intense, right? My wife will even tell you that. I'm just like that in general, you know. Uh, I don't do small talk very well. It would be like, hey, how was your day? How was the weather? Are you still looking at porn? Are you loving Jesus? Seriously, that's how fast it goes with me and the boys, man. My wife will tell you, one of my, my first things, I got some young men back here, you know what I'm talking about. Almost every time when I see you, I'm like, hey, man, hey, man, you loving Jesus? And then they'll look at me and they'll say, yeah, yeah, I'm loving Jesus. And I'm going, you staying out of trouble? And, and now I'm talking grown men, you staying out of trouble? And they know exactly what I mean. Anything across the board, trouble, I'm looking at them, that's what I want to know. Are you staying out of trouble? So sometimes... Uh, I used to say to the greeters, man, you need, if you see me back there, just give me space because it may not be the same protocols, you know, because the greeters, they have a protocol, shake hands, welcome you. Yeah, can we? Now, if you see me back there, I might just be getting in somebody's business. But, you know, as you, as you hang around a while, you begin to per appreciate different personalities. Somebody say personalities. And so I'm being honest with you. When I've had people call and tell me that, because uh, I, I was sharing, and maybe I'll share a little details here as well, so put some context on this. At one point in my life, uh, I felt the Lord tell me, I know this sounds weird, but he actually, I, I feel like he told me this, to wear Chicago for Jesus wherever I went, and it lasted over a year. So uh, I had a little joke on my, my, my live at that time, you know, Facebook live. I said, oh, what should I decide to wear today? And it showed my closet and about five different Chicago for Jesus shirts and about five different Chicago for Jesus hoodies, and I was like, oh, that one. 
Well, some good things actually came out of that. We were in Ikea of all places, and someone saw my shirt. And I know some of you have worn this. You know what I'm talking about. People will stop you. And somebody saw my shirt and said, Chicago for Jesus, that looks awesome. What, tell me more about that. And I started to talk with them. You know who they were? Missionaries to the Congo doing aviation drop-offs with Bibles and medical supplies. I said, this is a God thing. you got to come to our church and tell everybody about it. And we've been supporting those missionaries, you as a church, for I think about five, seven years now. Well, in one of the times I was wearing it, we were out at a farm right around this time. If anybody goes to those farms, you basically pay them to pick their vegetables. Anybody ever done that before? Hey, let me give you $20 to pick your uh, uh, pumpkin here. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like going to the grocery store. I'm going to pay you $20 just so I can pick and then I'll pay for it over here. Okay, so, you know, I, we're doing the thing, and somebody saw it, and they go, oh, Chicago for Jesus. Well, long story short, they started coming to the church, but there was a kind of a little special relationship there between me and them because I introduced them to the church. I was their friend in that way. Like, they met me in that context. Well, lo and behold, over time, Pastor Berto was the Bible study guy. Jared's the 101-er, I think, at that time. And I would just get calls from this brother. Oh, man, they've offended me. They've offended me. Oh, man, I love you. I love your preacher, but they've offended me. And I said to myself, all this is going, man, all it's going to take with this guy is one little offense from me, and he's going to be out the door. Well, lo and behold, of course, over time, he did something very crazy. He got offended with the way I handled it, became one of our worst haters online, and now to this day, still a bitter person. Everybody say, better, not bitter. Amen. But I think about those days, and I go, you know what? I'll never, because during that time, I used to say, well, you know what? I'll go back and talk to him. How many have ever tried to do that kind of middleman stuff before? Well, I'll go back and talk to him. And then I would call up Bird. Oh, I can't remember these conversations exactly. But I know I probably had one or two with you and Jared. Okay, what happened? What was this? What was that? I learned a lesson after that. You tell me one bad thing about my pastor that's in this church, that's not sin. That is now your exit paper stamped, free and delivered. You're gone. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Because if it's not a godly complaint, like a godly complaint would be, man, Pastor Berto, I was in his house and I, I saw he had Hustler underneath his, his medicine cabinet when I was using the bathroom. Or I saw him curse out his wife or uh, I caught him vaping at the back of his porch. You know, how many know that's a good complaint? I said, how many know that's a good complaint? Okay, thanks for letting me know. I need to check in on that. What's going on, dude? You know, what's happening over there? But no, no, you come to me saying, oh, I just don't like this. No, no, you're done. This is not the church for you. Please go down the road and find somebody else to complain to. But you know what? He stuck through it. That, that, see, that tells you that you really love Jesus. Because how many of you have had customers or different people on your job or even bosses and you left that company or you left that job or you haven't been back to that, you know, that, that gym because somebody offended you and yet they show up every single week, week after week after week, opening their doors to people. Let me just say one more. Somebody say, tell it. Let me tell you one more. Because their home is so accessible and so available, we had somebody have a mental breakdown, have issues with the church, and start pounding on the windows of their house trying to get into this family. Come on, somebody say, that's trouble. Amen. I'm not going to tell you what would have happened if they would have gotten into that house, but I'll let that be between us and the Lord. But let's just say right now, everybody's going to meet Jesus some sooner than later if they come to hurt this family. Amen. I said, amen. We believe in defense of your family and your children. Well, guess what we did? 
as a church. We said, we're going to pay for the best security. And this brother said, no, 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 it's okay. My wife was fine. We took care of it. I, I think you had to get home from work or something. I, you know, I got there. I said, no, we're not accepting that. I want you to call up the best security company. I want cameras all around your house, just like how we have it around the church. Because you've been so hospitable, we won't let you feel that at any time your family's in danger. I want you to have the camera open at any time and be able to call the police. But that's pastors right there. Somebody say, that's pastoring. That's real love. That's what it looks like in the ministry. I know not every single one of us have been that close to them. Maybe there's other pastors that you're close to. But when we see the Goveas as being pastors, they are the trophies of our church. In other words, this is not a boring part of my service because some people would like to watch grown men run around in tights and call that a sport, and, and those men are heroes. No, these are our heroes. Do you understand? By them standing up for Jesus... Think about how they've endangered their lives, threatened on their job, people that, you know, had mental issues, and we do pray for that young man, mental issues pursuing them at their house where they have their children, as well as saying all kinds of evil against them. And yet, when you look at them, just take a good look at them right now. Okay, take a good, it's okay to stare at them. <laughs> do they ever look any different than this? Had you, when they came to church that week, when someone came to their house, did you see Berto just with his hair all messed up or Griselda, you know, like the stressed out cat mama, what's going on? You don't know. You see him come in peace. And that's not fake. That's not fake, brothers and sisters. That's real. Now, I want you to hop with me to Hebrews 13, 17. We'll go to 1 Corinthians 5 in just a moment because I feel the anointing here. We have been talking about this in our church. Obey your leaders. Submit to their authority. Have we not gone through that verse by verse? Now, you guys know I go uh, on, on rabbit trails all the time, and I've pulled up that scripture at different times. But isn't it beautiful when you're going through a sermon series and then the Pastor Appreciation Day falls right in line with it? Because I was going to go a part two on this. After I finished last week, and my wife was in charge of uh, setting up these dates, so I didn't know she was going to do this today with all the young people wanting to bless them. But I wanted to do a part two from last week. And you know why I wanted to do a part two on obeying and having confidence in your leaders? Because last week I talked about the doctrine of it. But this week I wanted to talk about the practicalities. And I actually, even up until this moment, I was going to wait till you guys were done to go into the practicalities. But I feel like you're a great sermon illustration. So are you comfortable? You're comfortable? Okay, I'm just going to preach just a little bit on this, and then maybe we'll end the service like we did for the first. Because here's what the Bible says, Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence or obey, in the King James it says, your leaders submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit of you, uh, to you. Pray for us. Everybody say, pray for us. Thank you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. In particularly, I urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. I believe this is Paul, and he's either locked up in jail or away from them due to traveling. And so he says, pray for us because you know that we keep a clear conscience and we want to live honorably. Now look at that top part. Would you highlight it for me, please? Have confidence or obey your leaders. When we hear that word obey, we often think the abuse that people have suffered under leaders, right? And that's what I talked about last week, and we shouldn't let that take away our confidence in people because people have hurt us. But everyone notice this right here. When it says have confidence and obey your leader, submit to their authority, it says because they keep watch over you. Everybody say they keep watch over you. Now let me ask you a question. 
We had our sister in the first service. She was also last week here in the second service. She had just graduated boot camp for the Marines, okay? You want to talk about taking your job serious. Those guys take their job serious. Well, last week after I taught this, I saw her there, and the illustration came to my mind. I said to her, sister, when you were in boot camp for the Marines, did they have you do the drill where you crawl under the barbed wire and they do the uh, explosions and the fire, uh, the, the firing of the weapons to get you used to the battlefield. She said, we did it, but we didn't have the weapons because where we were training in San Diego was a fire hazard, and so they didn't want the explosions to cause a fire, thank God. But I said to her, okay, so you still, you guys still go through that because I had heard about that. She says, oh yeah, they still do it when they can, especially with the, the explosions and all of that. And I said, why is it? And she said, to build trust in times of fear. Because there's a sergeant watching over you. There's a lieutenant watching over you and is saying to you, we have to go from here to there. Stay low and keep moving. Stay low and keep moving. Brothers and sisters, that's why we submit to our leaders. Because if God has called them and God has anointed them and there are good sergeants and our good lieutenants and captains, they're seeing your life and they're seeing the enemy out there as a roaring lion and they're saying, stay low and keep moving. Stay low and keep moving. And the Bible teaches us to stay low in our humility to our leaders because they watch over us and as we're serving them, it's as we're serving God. They're not our God. It's all unto God, but they are an extension of the hand of the Lord. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5, please. Can I hear an amen? amen. Stay low and keep moving. Say it with me. Stay low and keep moving. When we stay low and we stay humble and keep moving into things of God and following Jesus, the enemy will not have the same target on our back or the ability, I should say, the same weakness to get at us as he does for others. I'm not here to say superstitiously, everyone that's in a good church following good pastors and leaders doesn't have any problems. I would never say that. But I would say this. I would say that those who do that have an advantage. How many would believe that? You have an advantage. In other words, it would be the same as, as this. Those who are in your family with moms and dads, I'm not saying that you won't have any problems because, you know, people with moms and dads still can have problems. But how many know statistically, if you're raised in a home with your mom and your dad going to church, you'll have less problems and you'll be at an advantage. Can I hear an amen to that? There's a disadvantage to single-parent homes. There's a disadvantage to children who are not raised in godliness with the Word of God. There's a disadvantage, okay? And it's the same thing. When we look to our leaders, we're not saying they're perfect in the sense of they'll never make a mistake. We're not looking to them to say that everything, uh, you know, that everything they say to us we're going to necessarily agree with. There's going to be disagreements, but here's going to be the main point. Do you believe they have your best interest spiritually in mind? Can I hear an amen to that? Because I don't know about you, but in our world, we act tough a lot, and we act like we don't need anybody, and that's that American self-made spirit. But how many know there's a lot of broken men, there's a lot of broken women, there's a lot of broken families, and really, at the end of the day, and the counselors are proving this, everybody wants a life coach. 
Everyone needs a life coach. The problem is, let's just look at our culture right now. Instead of going to the pastors, where are now people going? They're going to the uh, influencer on, on Facebook. I was watching this one on Instagram. This guy, man, was just cracking me up, dude. He, he was like acting like he was the bee's knees. He was all that. And then some, I think he was like from L.A. or something. He was wearing like some robe and some funny glasses. And he said, I do this to get people's attention because I'm going to be my authentic self. And I teach them to be their authentic self. So this guy got me. I mean, he, he did draw me. And I, I, I clicked on his stuff. And I started listening to him. And the things that he was saying was just exactly what the world would tell you. Be yourself. Don't let anybody look down on you. Be authentic. You know, if you have to lose relationships, it's, you know, okay, achieve success. And some of that's true. You know, obviously you shouldn't be copying uh, sinful people. You shouldn't be imitating people just because you don't like yourself. But how many know trying to guide your life by your authentic self can get you into a lot of trouble? Come on, somebody. Well, what if my authentic self wants to slap somebody? Do I get to express that today? I always say that as a joke, and you guys kind of laugh, but, but isn't that true that there is somebody here today, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand, but I know I'm not alone, but there are people here today that your authentic self is to slap people when you get mad. I tell this story, and it shows you why, why you need to pray for me as your pastor, but the first person I gave a bloody nose to was Sonia from my neighborhood. I punched a girl and gave her a bloody nose. I don't feel sorry for Sonia. My mom, when she found out, I was about five years old. I was five years old, and I was playing at Sonia's house. I don't remember much of it. Just, you know, little vivid uh, pictures come, kind of come back every now and then. And one of the vivid pictures that I have is Sonia's nose bleeding and her crying. I don't remember punching her, but I know that I did, right? So I was about five years old playing at Sonia's house. And something must have happened, you know, and I punched her in the nose, a little five-year-old, and I punched her in the nose, and then her nose started to bleed, she crying, she calls her mom, and then my mom gets called, and I'll tell you what, I don't know, this is a different time, but this is how I was raised. My mom came to Sonia's house with the spatula in her hand. My mom came to the house to pick me up with this, and I was probably no more bigger than him. How old is he? Yeah, right about that age. And I just remember my mom whooping me with the spatula as we were walking down the sidewalk. Get this, until the spatula broke. <laughs> so she whooped me with that spatula until it broke. And was she done? Of course she wasn't. She just reloaded when she got back home. And I caught a bunch more. I remember my Bible college president, he's deep south Louisiana. When he first met me at 18, he said, you weren't beat, were you, by your parents because you were smart out there. And I said, no, I was whooped all the time. He said, didn't work, then you needed more. And then I told my mom that, and my mom laughed and said, oh, no, you would I would have went to jail if I beat you more. And if beating you would have made you an angel, you'd be having wings right now because you got whooped almost every day. So I went and told my friend that, and he goes, oh, yeah, I had my pastor that. He goes, yeah, sometimes it just don't work. I guess. You know, you just people got an attitude. But that was me. I got whooped. I got beat. I remember this. Let me just say this one. We're definitely on a rabbit trail now. But I went to a school where I got spanked. Did anybody go to a school like that? I went to a private school. I got spanked by principals. I got spanked by teachers. Okay, that's the kind of school that I went to. All right. Maybe uh, that's why I'm so aggressive as, as I am. But no, I love Jesus a lot. But I want everybody to get this. I have that tendency from my earliest age, at the age of this boy right here, to be angry. 
You take something from me, I'm angry. You make me feel uncomfortable, I'm angry. So how do I get to be my authentic self, man? Come on, I'm going to end up in jail. And there are some of you here today, you're that same way. Man, if I'm my authentic self, I'm going to have, you know, some guys here, I'm going to have five girlfriends. That's my authentic self. And there are guys out there today trying to say, hey, let's bring polygamy back. Marriage is not meant for dudes. Anybody ever seen those podcasts? They're talking about it. Literally, Andrew Tate and some of those popular guys right now, they're trying to teach the young men, don't even look at, at celibacy, trying to be a virgin until you get married. Have as many women as you can. And then when you settle down for marriage and you're a top G, get as many women to marry you as you can. And and have as many babies as you want. Man, that's not the way God told us to live. So when I look at today these influencers, and they're influencing our young people and our adults, it's not from the Bible. You see, these leaders right here, they're not influencing you so that you subscribe and become a fan. Uh, you know, follow their Instagram. Pastors like the Goveas are not leaders to you because they want you to pay for their conference. How many know a church just like this could have a marriage conference next weekend, charge you 100 bucks a couple, and they'll come teach you the same thing they're doing for free every Friday night? Churches do it all the time. Oh, we're doing our annual marriage conference built on the rock or whatever. Come see the Goveas. We're going to, you know, spend $100. Well, what do you get out of that? Well, you get some paper. Maybe a T-shirt and then a meal. Okay, well, I guess that was worth $100. And God bless the people who pay for it. But you know what? They're not here to take your money. They're here to influence you through the word of God by giving you their lives. And so often, I've seen them come early and stay late. And this is why it breaks my heart as a pastor because oftentimes we look at the guy holding the microphone thinking that he's doing the real work and these guys are just on the sideline. I'm telling you, listen to me, you could live, everybody get this, you could live without me on a Sunday, but you couldn't live a good godly life without them on Friday. Did everybody hear what I said? Why? Because a guest speaker or a guy talking to you for a little bit, that can come and go. Somebody opening up their life to you, their home to you, you can't, you can't be a, a, a mature Christian and grow, go through life in your sufferings without somebody like that in your life. I mean... You could in an extreme sense, but God did not call us to live like that. Look at what the Bible says. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings. Here's Peter talking, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock. What does he tell elders to do? Be what? Shepherds of God's flock. Guess where the word pastor comes from? Shepherd. That's the Greek word right there for shepherd, pastor. Same word. Be pastors, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are what? Willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So everybody get this. I have watched pastors, mega churches and mega messes, boast about all they do in the ministry, and yet when it comes to their faithfulness to shepherd, they talk about that as the hardest thing they do, the thing that they don't like to do, and how ministry is so hard. And yet, everybody get this, we think those are the superstars. And I wish I could name some of the names, but I won't. But it's like, oh, Pastor so-and-so is a superstar pastor. Okay, what makes them a superstar? Oh, well, they have a great big church, and they're a great speaker. 
As someone who has the gift of speaking, let me tell you something. Me being able to do this has zero to do with my character and my giftings as a pastor. How many know there's great speakers all across the country right now? How many know there's great places you can hear a speech right now? I mean, you could go to the Muslims, you could hear a great speech from the Muslims. You could go right now to the atheist convention and you could hear a great speech. As I was just talking about that self-help guy, I was entertained by him while he was telling me to be my authentic slapping Sonia self, you know? I was entertained by this guy. I'm like, dude, you're good at the, your job. You are very eloquent in your words. But that has zero to do with pastoring. One of the most underrated and underappreciated jobs in the United States today is pastors. Because what happens is most people think that pastors, like if you went on your job or you talked to your unsafe friends and said, what do you think about pastors? They're going to describe that mega mess nine times out of ten, aren't they? All these pastors over there, they're big churches. They, do all the, they tell you to do all these things, but they do the opposite. They're hypocrites. How many know they're going to go on that? How many know that? Come on, I used to live in the South. They would talk about Jimmy Swaggart. They would talk about this one. They would talk about that one. They would talk about all the hypocrisy. They'll talk about the church they were brought up in as a kid and what happened over there. They'll talk all about that. But how many know if you went and talked to your friends, I'm talking your unsaved friends, and said, tell me something good that you know about pastors? Most of them wouldn't be able to do it. Maybe they would say something like, well, I think they're supposed to help the community but they wouldn't even be scratching the surface. Now, now get this. If that's what the world thinks about our pastors, what do you think people in the church are thinking about our pastors? I don't think we're too far off. Most people in the church don't understand what pastoring is. They think it's what I do on Sunday. No, that what I'm doing is teaching and preaching. But pastoring, notice what it says here, is watching over them. You remember what we heard before? In the other passage, because they keep watch over your soul. Put it in the King James. Leave this passage up, please, brother. And then put in Hebrews 13, 17 in the King James. Notice what it says. Obey your leaders. And then it says, they watch over your souls. Highlight that for me. Watch your souls. How many influencers right now are watching your wallet? A bunch. Help you get rich, start a new side hustle. How many people right now on your job are watching your performance? How many on your job have people that look at your performance as you get performance reviews? Okay, yeah, a lot of us do. How many on your job, people on your job, actually give bonuses out if you reach those performances and do well? Does anybody get bonuses when you do well? Come on, a few of us. Does anybody have a job here? Let's start right there. Okay, okay. Now, those of you who have jobs, no, I'm kidding. You guys are shy in church. I've got it. I've done this a time or two. But one more time, you don't have to raise your hands, but let me just ask it. How many understand there are jobs that there are performance reviews, and then there are bonuses attached to the performance review? Let me ask you a question. What does he get out of you doing better as a Christian in the natural? Come on. Nothing. What does she get out of it when you're a better mom, a better wife, a better Christian to your community? Nothing but they show up and do it anyways. See, that's what a servant does. They're serving their master, Jesus. And you know what? They're not there for the accolades. They love it. In a few moments, I'm going to let some of you testify. And We've turned this appreciation into an appre appreciation moment to appreciation service. But I, but, I mean, I couldn't have planned it better, and I just got the Holy Ghost download, so let me download it, okay? 
Think about it. That's what it looks like. When I was reading this to you last week and I was defending the doctrine of leadership, go back and listen to last week's message if you want the defense of why we follow pastors and leaders. I just saw a guy post a a meme that had somebody dancing, and the meme said, this is how I feel now knowing that I don't have to listen to my pastor. And it literally had a guy dancing. And I'm thinking to myself, well, who are you listening to now? The devil? Because that's how the devil gets excited about you not listening to your pastor anymore. You listening to that joke of the meme, the actual dude on the meme. Is this your dude now? You're going to listen to this guy shaking his little booty in his hips? You're going to him now? No, man, I don't. And this is what gets me every time. No, man, I don't follow men, man. I don't follow men. And then the next minute, hey, you know about LeBron? You know about this? You know about this thing? And they talk all about men. No, hello, somebody. Everybody's following men. Whether you call them Bill Gates, whether you call them your boss, whether you call them your family, everybody's following somebody, even in the gang. Man, no, we're so tough. Man, we're so tough. We're so tough. You do what this dude tells you to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, that doesn't sound tough to me. Right? You go where he tells you to go. You stand on the corner, he tells you to stand on the corner. Rudy and I were riding our bikes the other day on a cold, windy Saturday, and I saw all those dudes huddled around. They were up to no good, but you could all tell. They're following somebody out there. Somebody told them to go stand over there. Hello, can I get an amen from somebody? Oh, yeah, but you're weak if you go to church, or you're not a man, or you're, as a woman, you know, you're letting other people tell you what to do. Woman, no, you need to be independent. Don't listen to Griselda. You can do what you want. Well, that's true, isn't it? We all can do what we want. But the wise person, the Bible says, has a council of many and they have advisors. So when people, everybody get this, when people insult our pastors, they're insulting the framework of God for our blessing. When they get insulted, I get insulted. When people insult the church down the road, and I know it's a good church, they're insulting the body of Christ. I understand there's pastors that don't always do right, and they deserve to be rebuked. We'll get to there in First uh, Timothy chapter 5. It actually says that. Those who hold the mic or those who are looked at as pastors, if they sin, they should be rebuked in front of everybody so that we all should, should take warning. Be like, don't be like that guy. I get it. But I'm telling you, when I hear about good pastors and I hear about good leaders, I defend them. I remember one time we did a grand opening at our church there on Irving, and uh, somebody had come from another church And he had come up to me, and he said what every pastor wants to hear after they preach. Oh, you're one of the best pastors I've ever seen, man. So I've had those handshakes. Not many, okay, but I've had a few. You're amazing, man. Whoa, that really was amazing. So you learn after a while not to take that very serious because they say that to the guy down the road too, you know. But anyways, so I shook the guy's hand, and then instantly right out of his mouth, he said, because I used to go to this pastor's church over here. Now, you ask yourself a question. What do you do in that situation? I got a new member, thinks I'm the bee's knees. Of course, that's a little bitterness right there, but you know what? He built me up. Maybe I'll let him slide and just keep him around. He gets some offering. What do you do? Or do you correct him? I corrected him right there. I said, hold on, hold on. I know the pastor you're talking about. What are you, why are you saying that about him? What did he do? What's wrong with that church? That's a good church. That's a fine church. There's no reason to talk about them that way. And then he, met, he mentioned some petty thing that sounded like children on a, on, a, on a playground. And I said, no, no, no. We don't have permission as Christians to be petty like that. And then he started getting upset with me. 
at the altar. I'm being honest with you because, you know, I just got done preaching. I was shaking people's hands. And I said to my brothers, I said, excuse me, excuse me, brother, I need you. I need you. I called some of our uh, elders at that time. And I said, come with me and this gentleman to my office. Now, remember, this is a grand opening service, sister. This is where the whole place is filled. The balloons are in the cafe. Are you guys tracking with me? And now I'm walking to my office with two elders as witnesses with a dude that just said I was one of the best pastors he's ever met. And then I sat him down there, and I said, no, this is what's going to happen. You're either going to give us a real reason to hear the complaint that you said, or you're going to take it back. Because if you don't take it back, I'm going to ask you to leave this church and not come back. Because you just violated what the Bible said we do as Christians. You do not talk about your brother behind their back. You go to them, and you resolve it. And that is not a big deal to even have to resolve. The Bible says it's to a glory for a man to overlook an offense. He said to me, he said, oh, man, I didn't know you were like that. So now he's taking back his compliment. Almost wanted to ask him, you must not have heard from God then because if you said God told you to tell me I was one of the best pastors, God's telling me to tell you this now. <laughs> it's funny how people change their minds about what God said once they hear something they don't like, right? So be careful when you put God on it. But he said, oh, you guys are like policemen around here. You guys just blindly defend each other. I said, I'm not blindly defending this man. I have no dog in this fight. I don't even hang out with this man very much. But I know the church. I know the pastor. I know what you're saying is insignificant. Do they preach the gospel? Do they love Jesus? Do they help people? Yes, 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 all of that. Well, long story short, he didn't want to do it. And then I said, sir, you have been disfellowshipped from this church on your first day. Please do not come back until you repent. Then somebody shared with me the blog that he was writing about that church. And then guess who he wrote about next week in the blog? <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm not ashamed of that. Why? What, come on, guys. Do you think you could show up to your sergeant, report for duty in the Marines, and go, man, that sergeant I was just at was a blankety, blankety, blank. You think that sergeant's going to say to you, well, of course I understand. I'm a better sergeant. He's going to say, you said what about that sergeant? Did that sergeant hurt you? Did that sergeant do a disrespectful thing in the sense of break military? No, I just didn't. Just, one day he just said this, and I didn't like it. Get over it. We're back to war. We got a battle to fight. We're the body of Christ. We're the body of the military. You get the point, brothers and sisters. I said, do you get the point? Pastors are here to watch over us. Now notice this. Keep going. Go back to the 1 Peter chapter 5. Notice what he says here. This is Peter talking. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, wherever you have that tucked away. Okay, so when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never what? Fade away. Now look at verse 5. In the same way, you who are what? Younger, submit yourselves to your what? Elders. All of you clothe yourselves with what? Humility towards one another because God what? opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Okay, now I got to do this because every now and then I got to feel tough, okay? So Jason, come step up here, please. Now, I don't want any juking and moving. What I want is you to come towards me with about 80 to 70% of your strength, okay? Not a running start. Just so we can get an illustration. So it makes you look good, it makes me look good. Okay, that's where we want to go. I don't want to get plowed over, fall on my butt, and I don't want to push you down. Okay, but I'm going to show the congregation an opposition. Are you ready? This is a great man of God right here. Give it to me. Give it to me. Just, yeah, there you go. I don't want to hurt your chest. I don't want to hurt myself. There how, many, how many some opposition right now? Amen. Give it up for him. 
Amen. Let me know what you're doing November when we do the school club because he got saved at a school club, and I'm going to be preaching at a school club with the same guy, John. Remember John who came and preached to you at TJ's club? Wasn't that John? Who preached? Oh, Jose preached for you. Okay, so I'm going to another club, but I want you to be there. If the Lord brought you up here, I want you to do that. If you can, I'll, I'll pay for you to get out there, Uber, whatever. Give it up for uh, Jason again. Come on. I just felt when I was doing this with you, I'm like, I love this brother. Oh, I'm going to do a school club. He got saved at a school club. All that was going in my head. That's what pastors are doing, right? But how many saw the opposition there? People do not understand in their Christian walk why sometimes they're not moving forward with God as they're going from church to church to conference to conference to Bible study to Bible study. It's because God is opposing their proud heart. In America, we're proud to be Americans. We're proud to be self-made. But what we don't understand is that the kingdom is upside down. You want to go up in the kingdom? You go down first. And even if you look into the world's example and you look correctly, you will see that there as well. Michael Jordan, to become the greatest, had to accept the humility of not getting on the high school team when he first tried out, right? You look at the different entrepreneurs, their first ideas oftentimes didn't work. No one saw them in their failures. But you see, now in America and in our Western culture, we value success so much, we can value independence so much that we think that our pride is what God is going to bless. And God doesn't bless our mess. What God is into is blessing the humble. Notice what it says. Humble yourselves to your elders. And then notice the next thing that it says, humble yourselves to each other. And then lastly, God opposes the proud. Wow, so let's get this. If I don't submit to my pastors and those around me, it's as if I'm not submitting to who? To God. So that's why when people say, oh, I only submit to God. I don't need church. I only have Jesus. Well, Jesus said that these people do his work. That would be like my son or daughter saying to either one of us, I don't listen to you. I only listen to dad. According to the Bible, the church is the bride of Christ. If you said to me, everybody get this, come on, let's get real up in this place. If you said to me as a man, you don't listen to my wife in that house, you are not going to be in that house very long. Oh, but I listen to you, Joe. I listen to you. Do you listen to my wife? Because we are one. The Bible says the church is the bride of Christ. If you say you listen to Jesus, but you don't listen to his church, the Bible calls that pride. Now, we talked about this last week, and I won't get into it this week. How do you know what church you're supposed to be in, and what, what are the boundaries of a good church and a bad church? That was all discussed last week, but I wanted to end today where we began with the practicality of that. Would you go now to 1 Timothy chapter 5, starting around verse 12, please? We look at the scriptures. Uh, let's keep on going down. Verse 17, rather. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Notice what the Bible says. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of what? Double honor. 
That's why, because of your generous giving, we're blessing them today. That's coming from your generous giving. So your gift is going towards them today. If you want to give more, please feel free to do that. And if we can help, you can give it through the church or just take them out to lunch or bless them with a place they like to frequent. But the Bible says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are, wor- are well, are worthy of double honor. And put that in the King James as well. I've been going back to the King James a lot in my older years because you just get used to hearing it a certain way. Look at it now, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. In the NIV, it says, direct the affairs. That's cool. We get that. You direct the affairs. I like this. Let the elders that rule. <laughs> Let the elders that what? Rule well, be counted worthy of double honor. How many think, I'm not alone here, that the word rule has a little bit more built into it than direct affairs? Direct affairs sounds a little beta, right? Rule sounds alpha as the thing going around Instagram. How much do you think about the Roman Empire? Do you ever think about the Roman Empire? Not much, but do you ever think about it? Awesome. When I'm doing studies, I have to teach it. So, but it kind of, but it kind of, it's like a magnet. It draws you to it. Yeah, I guess. You know, so. Guys like that. They like the Roman Empire. I think about the kingdom of God more than I think about the Roman Empire. But I do think about like ruling and reigning. You know, like having authority and doing stuff. But that's not wrong as well as long as you do it for Christ. Because Jesus said. You see among the Gentiles, they take their authority and they abuse their people with it. Not so among you. The greatest will be the least. The servant of all will be the greatest here. And that's when Jesus pulled over a child. Amen? Hear what the Bible says. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. So if you have an animal working in your field, you don't abuse that animal. Here's animal rights before there was ever PETA. But the Bible says we can still eat the ox, okay? The idea is, though, you still honor that animal and you treat it with respect. And that is feeding it and caring for it. And it says, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. And that's why we want to bless them. And as our church grows, put more on staff with more benefits. And that's my, everybody listen to me, my personal biggest uh, challenge being the kind of pastor that I am is that I wished more people would stay so that we could put more people on staff. So, so often I talk to my wife and I go, am I just chasing people away that would support this team? And then my wife, always so nicely, goes, no, because they don't want them anyways either. So, you know, so it's not like I'm just so mean and I'm pushing them out. And the Goveas are like, when do we get to become full-time paid pastors and no longer have to work at a school? When do we get to do that? And then I'm like, big, bad, mean pastor, get out of here, get out of here. I just want a small church so I feel like I'm in control. So I talk to my wife and I go, do you think they feel like that? And it's so funny because one time I asked Griselda a question like this, like it was really deep and well thought out. Like it was like, do I push away people in the church to keep it small? And I was asking her some question like that and she was like, you really think deep about a lot of these things. I don't even think about about that, you know, and it wasn't this, but it was something like this. It was like, do you ever think about this and this and this and this and this and this and then this? And she was like, no, no, I don't. I think about my children. I think about my husband. I think about Jesus, and I don't think about that. But I was talking to this about my wife because I was like, well, 
if I didn't preach so hard on that one sermon, well, then this row would be filled in our seconds. First service is almost entirely filled, right? But we're filling up the second, so uh, then this row would be filled. And if I, didn't, if I didn't say that when they brought a guest about, you know, about living together when you're not married, then, then those people would be there. And then I start thinking to myself, well, my wife and I are already capped at the salary. We don't get any more. The church goes to a million. This is where we're at, and we're good with that. We started day one with our salary. It took us about 10 years to get there. Ten years of living by faith, my wife and I, about a few years ago, we got there, and then we just capped, right? So now it's like, well, we want others to come on staff. This is just telling you how the sausage is made back in the kitchen here, okay? So I said to my wife, I said, well, seems like I'm pretty comfortable. People can come and go, but the church remains a good size for us. Do I push people away? Because I want to keep it small and radical. You know, I mean, it's, it's cool being in the 300, but then at some point, you do live up to the uh, accusation of being a cult, you know? It's like, yeah, we're, we're tough, we're radical, but are we really just that, or are we a cult? So I'm asking myself that, right? And I'm telling you, I brought that to my wife. And she said, no, because they don't want them here either with those attitudes. Joe, it's not like you're setting them up for failure. They're in those meetings most of the time. When people leave disgruntled from the church, they're the ones in those meetings going, what is the deal here? And sometimes in those meetings, when those people don't convince them to be offended, because this is the middle ground. We're going to hear about the witnesses here in just a little bit. When the people cannot convince them to be offended and hate me as much as they hate me, they then call them yes people. Oh, you're just scared of Pastor Joe. You don't want to say anything to him. And they're going, no, I've been around him for 10 years. We've gotten in fights, arguments, disagreements, whatever. We're fine. We, uh, he loves us. I love, I'll tell him if he's wrong. But we don't agree with you here. And, but they can't accept it. They can't, at the end of the day, go, we just have two different opinions. We'll move our way. They want to bring an accusation. Somebody say, God, have mercy. But then, as I said, I was talking to my wife, and here's where I need you to pray for us. We want growth. We want healthy growth. But how many know we don't want a beer belly? You can look at your guy that's, you know, that just gained 20 pounds of muscle and say, well, I gained 20 pounds too, dude. Right here, look at me, that's gains. But how many know those aren't the same kind of gains? So people sometimes say, well, we're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, you're getting fatter and fatter. Nothing, nothing against those who have a little bit of extra meat on the bones. I can relate to that. But you, you get my point. Like, it's unhealthy. So I don't want to grow that way. I want to grow healthy. But I don't want to grow at a point where it harms or hurts their ministry. But every time we go into these discussions, and my wife is a witness, and so are the other pastors from the first service, they always come to me and they go, you know what? We heard what they had to say, and we told them there's just not much to get offended over. But they don't want to see their soul being cared for. See, think about it. Let's, go, let's just go through it real quick before we close here today. Say somebody got offended because I talked about living together before you were married, right? What if that was the only time your friend ever got to hear about the message of heaven and hell, right? What if they never had known that? What if they in their mind were deceived to think it did not matter? So you got offended on behalf of your friend, but maybe that's what your friend needed to hear. Or another kind of example is when we preach about how God is doing things in our society and we got to move with God, whether it's standing up against abortion or riots in our city. Do you know that before they turned on us, when we were out there at um, Reese Park during the riots, Will and a lot of the other brothers were preaching. It was red and yellow, black and white, Hispanics, Latinos, Africans, Americans. We were preaching right there at Reese Park when they were vandalizing it. And the news, they put us on the news and they said, in the midst of all the hardships, they're still good to be looked at. And there was a Christian church out there preaching. But once again, 
when they came against Nini's Delhi and others that wouldn't put the black square up or the fist of socialism, they turned against us. But the media loved it when we were there before, right? And it's the same idea. I even remember one time when we were open during COVID and everybody was saying we killed grandma. There were some people underneath those ABC posts and those different posts going, Hey, that's actually a pretty good church, man. They do stuff for the kids every back to school. They bring out rock climbing walls. Like there was actually people in the community going, hey, give them a break. They're not killing grandma, right? Like if, if, this, if this is a problem, it's just because grandma has an issue. It's not because they're being lackadaisical trying to hurt people. You guys being irresponsible. Can I hear an amen to that? But you see, people will accuse you of that. People will come against your pastors. People will come against them and say, oh, they're just yes people when they've been serving faithfully for 10 years. On the job, that's looked at as an honor. When they do that on a team, don't they say that's faithful? When they say Kobe played for the Lakers for how many years? Don't they consider that a good thing, right? Or do they go, whatever the coach was of the Lakers, who was it, Joselito? Phil Jackson. Oh, yeah, Kobe was just a yes man to Phil Jackson. He was afraid of Phil Jackson. No. Maybe Kobe actually liked Phil Jackson. Maybe Kobe actually liked the other players. Maybe Kobe liked playing for L.A. Are you guys listening to me? When you are a part of a good church, don't let people take away the honor. And let's always give it to our pastors. They're worthy of double honor. The first honor is us agreeing to the doctrine and the word that they teach. And as I shared last week, if that's what you don't agree to, then that's fine. Go somewhere where you agree to that word and honor those people. But if you're a part of this church and you go, man, I like what they teach, honor them for that by living it out, coming to their Bible studies, to their marriage counseling, live it out. You know, so often I hear about them telling me in marriage counseling, which always gets me because we all here can relate to this in one way or another, but it's like the marriage brings it out quicker than anything else. And that's this, I can't trust you now because I think you're taking sides. And I talk to them all the time, and I go, are you taking sides? And they go, no, we just listen to this person, we listen to this person, and we've given our advice. Brother or sister, if you trusted them before your marriage started falling apart, trust them now. Amen? Well, I only trust them when they agree with me. Tell them it's all his fault or it's all her fault. Man, if you both trusted them before your marriage had issues that had nothing to do with them, how many know after they've heard the worst of marriage counseling, they still go to bed happy? They're waking up and loving each other. How many years y'all been married? 13. 13 years. Come on. Amen. Brothers and sisters, that's what pastors do. Have they had mistakes in their marriage? Have they had upset? Of course, but they're honest about it. I'm sure it comes up in marriage counseling. Oh, yeah, we can relate to that. Yeah, we can relate. Oh, I've been there before. We've been there before. You can make it. We've made it. But once again, I've heard of people getting offended. Oh, they took his side. They took my side. They took her side. Whatever. And it's like, hold on. I thought they were trustworthy. I thought when you came to that meeting, you were ready to hear a word from God because what? They taught you word and doctrine. They labored in it. And then the next thing we honor them with is our finances. And as I said, as a church, we're blessing them today, and we're putting some money in their account as well as all these flowers and little num-nums and their tum-tums, you know. But we're blessing them with our yearly bonus that we can give them. I wish it could be so much more. But here's my heart, brothers and sisters, is that we keep them in prayer. Because what does it say right here? Don't receive an accusation against an elder but by two or three witnesses. And sometimes people say, well, me and my friends, we both agree. No, you and your friends don't count. It's true that you all have an offense, but you need to get somebody mature on your side. 
And so this is what we always say to our people that get offended. If you, if you haven't heard about the way we solve problems, it's very simple. It doesn't matter if it's you or a hundred of you get offended. You need another witness who is qualified to take your side to bring it before our board. So in other words, put it in writing, bring it to an elder or a deacon. It's like basically writing your local congressman. It's like coming to the authority saying, this is what I have against this person. And then we bear witness for you to that person. And we, we take it up. So sometimes people are like, well, how do you know you're going to believe me? I think if you're telling the truth, we're going to believe you. Like someone raped me, someone touched me, someone stole from me. Like I don't think that's going to be hard to find out. We're, we're not going to just defend them and say, oh, they wouldn't do that. No, if someone in our leadership is doing any of the God-forsaken things you've heard about in churches, we are going to be serious in that investigation. But as they can tell you, in all of our years with our pastoral leadership, have we ever had any accusation even come close to the seriousness of that? No, generally, what are the accusations? They're mostly towards me, and you guys have to be a witness of it. But generally, what kind of level of accusation are they? Offense. Yeah. Yeah. Pettiness. I didn't like this. Do you see how that just wastes all of our time? Well, I want to go to the Goveas and say I don't like this about Pastor Jared or so-and-so. Okay, what don't you? And, they, and you can because we want you to feel at home in the church. But what is your issue? Oh, my issue is something petty. What do you want us to do? do you, think about this. You think the Apostle Paul was sat down every time the Corinthians didn't like a letter that he sent? And then they, they said to him, Paul. 20 people in the Corinthian church are now offended because you said kick out the guy having sex with his mother-in-law or stepmom, rather. You know, So they don't like you, Paul. Do you think that was the kind of thing the apostles went through? Of course not. That's not what the apostles meant by two or three witnesses because you all don't like me. When you look at Paul's writings in the book of Galatians and in Corinthians, there's entire churches that are against him. As a matter of fact, at the end of 2 Timothy, this is 1 Timothy, at the end of 2 Timothy, Paul says almost everyone has deserted me. How many has ever read that before? Please go there, 2 Timothy, towards the end. He says everyone has deserted me. And so pastors are deserted all the time. That doesn't mean they're right. How many know people deserted Jesus and said crucify him? But that doesn't mean they were right. Okay, scroll on down to the end of first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 5. Keep going down. Yeah. Maybe it's go a little bit slower. Okay, there you go. Go up a little bit more. There we go. Look at chapter, what is that, 4? Chapter 4, verse 16 of 2 Timothy. At my first defense, no one came to support me. How many? That's a bad day. You're, going, you're in jail. You're going to court. Come on, somebody. Show up and get my back. No one came to support me, but everyone, what? Deserted, Deserted me. Now, what does Paul say about that as a good leader? May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood by my side, and he gave me strength. Hallelujah. Your neighbor might desert you. Your friend might leave you. But Jesus will never let you down. He'll never forsake you nor leave you. I'll get to preaching. That's a, that's a whole nother sermon. But notice, that's a pastor going through that. This one left me. This one did this to me. This one did that to me. But are they getting bitter? No, they're getting better. See, that's how you know you're on the right side. Everybody's going to have disagreements. As I've told you before, I'm not always going to get along with you because I don't always get along with me. How many have had an argument or two with yourself? Man, why did I do that? What is wrong with me? I can't believe I did that. Why did you do that? 
I mean, I have had those talks with myself. Like, get with it. Stop that. And then, like, sometimes people are like, well, I don't like his sense of humor. I don't like that. I don't always like yours either. You know what I'm saying? I grew up watching Will Smith and Ben Stiller, you know, slap butt, act silly type stuff. I remember doing that with some guys in the church. They thought I was gay. They said, why do you keep slapping my butt, dude? Are you gay? I said, I'm not gay. This is just how we play around, man. I slap you on the butt, give you, come behind him. I'll give him a weird, like, like prom hug. Seriously, I used to do that to dudes in the church. Be running up on them, just like, what's up, dude? Whispering in their ear. And I had like, like cholos. I don't know, like Latino guys, you know, from the hood. Man, you gay, man, you gay. I'm like, now I'm not gay. I'm as heterosexual as it comes. But they, it's, a, it's a different culture. I guess they don't joke around like that in the barrio. You know what I'm saying? You don't play like that in the hood or whatever, in Humble Park. But that's how we played around in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's what we did. We pooped in bags and put it on our friends' porches and rang the doorbell. Seriously, don't get any ideas here, young people. I remember doing it, and I was just like, this is what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. And I'm like, it's a little weird. No, it's what we do. Do it. Throw it on their porch. That was my friend's house. The first place I broke into was my friend's house so I could get his Pop-Tarts and play his Nintendo. We, we, we didn't think anybody would see us in the middle of the day with shovel breaking the door. We literally took the shovel out of his backyard, put it on his porch door, and leveraged it until either the shovel would break or his door broke. And his door broke. And that's how we got in. And then the next day, police come to my house. I'm in fifth grade. So I've punched Sonia now, just as you're keeping up here with your pastor. And I've broken into my best friend's house, and I pooped in bags, okay? But you know what? When I became a Christian, I listened and I did my best. So my wife will tell you, I stopped doing that. But now I do it to her all the time. And if anybody's ever seen those memes, I am that guy. My wife's high knee gets slapped. She gets wrestled. The other day I was doing like this jump kick and I was like, hi-ya into her backside. And she was just like, stop it, stop it. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm like jumping and kicking. Poor, poor wife here. Then she'll fight me back, and then, like, she'll get all aggressive, and I'll be like, see, you're aggressive, too. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm just doing it because you're bullying me, and I'm trying to stop, to, you know, to stop you. So then, just out of fairness, just where everybody's here, I let them punch me. I let them do whatever they have to do to get it out because sometimes I work them up too much, and then I'm too big for them. So I say to my daughter, punch me as hard as you can, you know. Is that TMI for you guys? Okay, is that TMI? It's too much. Let's edit that out, my brother. That's the, yeah, TJ's letting me know. That's a little too much. A little too much, Pastor. Back it up a little bit. Boop, boop, boop. So you want to know what it's like to be a pastor? It's finding your tribe. Watch this. And you make the church, and the church makes you. So as, as God is my witness, Carlos, have I ever snuck behind you and give you a hug and whispered in your ear? Maybe once or twice, you know. But if I've done it, it's because he does it with me, right? You give me big bear hugs. But have I done it with you, Jason? No. I only play around or hug or get real close to people. That's what they do with me. So I see that's their personality, right? I don't have to make everybody like me in that way. But I'm going to pastor you. I'm going to shepherd you. I'm going to do my best. Pastor Berto 
may not be always the kind of personality you want to hear from. Griselda may not be one of your homegirls. That's okay. But you know what? They're a ride or dies. They're going to get your back. When others are running away, they're going to be running to you. And they'll stand with you until the situation is gone. And that's why we honor them. And we honor pastors like them. And we don't want them to feel deserted. See, they have issues in their lives too. And we need to pray for them and lift them up to the Lord. If we could go back to our passage for today. Notice what Paul said. He said, pray for us. So I hope a few of you are ready to testify because that's what I think about them. When you testify and you say the good things that you, they've done in your life, and brother, if we could get one of the microphones out here, please. What I think about is you not deserting them and you sticking by their side. I want the rest of the church to hear. Thank you. You can just stay up there as they come. Whoever wants to start it off, in just a few moments, we're going to have you testify. Let's just do maybe three at the most. Tell them what they've done in your life and what they mean to you so that maybe someone here who hasn't had a good pastor or hasn't had somebody love on them like that uh, will trust them and maybe open up their life to them. Amen? All right. So go ahead and stand right there with the mic. We'll get two or three to testify, please. Pastor Griselda, thank you for me and my wife and being our marriage counselors. Because of your, your counseling, you know, that's why we are strong as the Baltazar family today of God using you guys. So I want to say thank you to that. And also want to say thank you for always. And thank you for that, you know, that for, for, through your counseling that we're still here at uh, Metro Praise International, even after all the rioting that happened at Nini's Deli. And thank you for everything. So just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, and God bless you guys. Hi, Pastor Roberto and Griselda. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for opening your house every Friday. Your house has been like an oasis in the desert, um, like a pillar in the of light in the darkness. There are times where um, I wanted to make bad decisions on Saturday or Friday, but I always had that choice to come. You always have your, your house open so that we can come into the presence of the Lord and spend time with the, the body of Christ and just feel God's presence and your hospitality is out of this world. I just, there's so much that you guys have done that has helped me throughout my whole life. Um, like as a born-again believer, and, you know, it's just incredible. I, I, I can think of one time, um, I was, I was just alone, and, you know, I was, I, I was in a dark place, and, um, I didn't have really any friends to talk to, and I wasn't really coming to church, but I remembered that you had the gathering on Fridays, and, I came and I was just restored and I'm forever grateful for that, for, for people in the church like Griselda and Berto to open up their house every Friday and be so faithful. It's helped, it's helped so many people in more ways than, than we know. 
praise God. Amen. Yeah, so in life group, we're currently uh, right now in uh, first, first Timothy. Uh, last week we did chapter 3, um, the qualifications of, of an overseer. Uh, verse 2 says that they're now the overseer is to be above re reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-control, respectable, hospital, able to, to teach. You, you, you guys are a perfect example of that, a godly example. I'm grateful for you guys. I appreciate you guys. You, you, you two have, uh, have been with me in my, in my family through the hard times and, and good times. Um, and, it, and every time I, I have a uh, life decision to, to make Berto, I, I call you. So appreciate you guys. Amen. Amen. Wow. Jonathan, can I share a little bit of your testimony? Brother Jonathan, who was just up here, joined our church with your wife already having the brain cancer? Leukemia. But she had it when she came already, right? And then you lost her while you were here. They helped through that. Could you imagine that? That is just unimaginable. But that was years ago. What year did she pass? 2021. And just this past year, 23, he got remarried to a beautiful sister in this church. Let's give it up for that family. Praise God. That sounds like only something God can do. And were you guys the of the, the wedding ceremony? Did you perform it? That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Thank you for trusting them. That meant so much to me to watch that all unfold because I was, and, and my family was reaching through them. And we just kept... Are, are, and they know this, and that's part of what maybe they might share next week because I'm going to have to be in the hot seat up here pretty soon, and they're going to say some nice things about me and make me blush. We always oversee through the, the leaders, and we were praying for you that whole time, and that was such a tough time. So thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. Thank you for your trust. We want to hear from you. Take your time. You can preach the next sermon, but tell us some good things. Tell us some hard things. Tell us prayer requests, anything you want us to know about your lives, and then we'll have these young people come and bless you. We'll all pray for you. Thank you, Pastor. Really appreciate your time. I'm like the whole service to just be able to honor us. Wow. Um, great work, too. And, uh, you know, I think um, for us, or for me personally, I'll have my wife share. I'm going to be short, is that... It is a joy to be able to minister the word of God to the people that God brings to us. You know, it really is. Because when it's all said and done, you know, the Bible says that there's a there's a, a cloud of witness surrounding us, you know, and we're doing this for the Lord and for the kingdom to come. And, you know, for some of you guys, you're listening to that, you're like, oh, cool, amen. But it's so real to me that one day we're going to be experiencing eternity with the Lord Jesus. And then everything that we did in this life is going to count. For, for that time, you know, that is uh, preaching the gospel, making disciples, and, and seeing uh, every single person that God puts before us with the eyes of Christ. And uh, it's just a joy. We're literally living the dream. So thank you, Pastor and Nancy, too, as well, Pastor Joe and Nancy, because they're the ones that, you know, set the foundation, you know, to be able to have this, this ministry like this and the leadership. Obviously, the Lord gave it to you guys. But, um, you know, and we're able to be used by the Lord through this. So we're, we're very grateful and literally living the dream. 
So couldn't do it without you both. So thank you so much for all that you have imparted in us and through us uh, for the ministry. So, yes, that's all I have for now. Thank you. Amen. God is good. It's such an honor to be here with you guys and, you know, uh, an honor to have this role that God, this position that God has given us. It is such a joy and, and it's an honor to be, walk and run alongside, like, you know, we'll talk next week, but Pastor Joe and Nancy and all the rest of the leadership and then you guys coming up because it's not just going to stay here, right? We, we're continuing to raise up disciples. And so it is such a joy to walk this journey with such strong, committed believers who just, you have this resolve in your heart that you know Jesus and we're all learning and growing together. But this is really an honor because like Pastor Joe shared a little bit of my testimony, not only was I a person who just liked to party, but I didn't have a uh, a purpose. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was lost. I was wandering this earth without a purpose. And God really took my life. He gave me purpose. He gave me a reason to live. And, and it's a really, you know, when I say it's an honor, it really is because without the Lord, I didn't, I, I would just be um, living life without purpose. And so I know that my life, God set me apart to honor him, to worship him, to teach his word and to pour into others. So thank you for trusting us with your life, for trusting us with your marriages and your children. Amen. We love you. And we're so grateful for the kind words that everybody has shared. Thank you. Right. Would you guys now please stand up? We're going to honor you with some gifts. Come on up here, young people, and maybe the whole family, Govea family would come up. I think someone's going to take a picture, Rudy, wherever he's at, if he wants to get a picture of them. Stand here with your wonderful family. The Goveas are a blessing to this, to this house. On this day, 2023, let it be known in the annals of Metro Praise International history that we have blessed the Goveas for over 10 years of faithful service, that their children have been a joy to be around, their smiles, their laughter, their advice has blessed this church. And all of God's people said, amen. Could you stand up with me, guys, everyone? Would you, Goveas, stand in front as we pray for you, just bless you. And then those of you who may be visiting or you're not used to a service like this. I hope that you got a lot out of it because even though it was centered around appreciating our pastors, you learned about church. You learned about how pastors operate. You've learned about the ups and downs of ministry. Like that's important to understand because think about how many churches you've been to and maybe you didn't understand really why a pastor was there or really why they do what they do. So I hope that that blessed you. But in a few moments, we're going to give you a chance to accept Jesus Christ because he's the great shepherd. He's what saved Berto, Alberto, Griselda, myself. So nothing more would make them happier than, than to see you come to Jesus because that's where the journey starts. If we have any other elders and deacons here, come around these wonderful, uh, this wonderful family and let's pray for them together. Father, I ask you to bless the Goveas. Pour out your spirit upon them in even more mightier ways, O oh God. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit rest on them. May they be a blessing, O oh God, to that community. Those that walk through the gateway of that door, O oh God, into their house to sit on their couch. May they feel the anointing of breakthrough. 
deliverance, transformation, oh God. May souls be saved, God, as they witness at the grocery stores and at the park even throughout the winter months, oh Lord. May you use their lives, oh God, as a testimony as they marry, bury, and baptize doing the work of the ministry. May they never lose their first love. May the signs and wonders of the gospel that captured them at their early stage follow them through these stages of their life, oh God. May they never get too old to be hungry for the move of the Spirit, to make time for prophecy of laying on of hands, O oh God, to believe, Lord, for that which is impossible, to be possible in the name of Jesus. O oh Lord, put safety, angels, warring angels around them, protect their home, guard their children, O oh God. Bless them in their finances, O oh God. Preserve their family even as they reach out to their parents and their siblings, oh God. May they continue to be a testimony of your grace, oh Lord. Your trophies, oh God, of what you do in someone's life, Lord. And may they always know they are not deserted here. We are honored to stand with them. So help us, oh God, like Joshua and Caleb, to hold up the hands of this mighty couple. Can someone hold up Griselda's hands and Berto's other hands here? We lift up their hands as they war for the souls of people, as they don't quit on marriages, as they don't quit on teenage issues and problems, as they don't quit on families going through cancer or leukemia, oh God. They're not going to quit, oh Lord, because you're going to give them the strength through the body of Christ, O oh God, to be the tip of the spear, O oh Lord, to be that which attacks the enemy but strengthens the warring soldiers of Christ. May they be a terror to the devil and to demons, but a refreshment, an encouragement to the brothers and sisters in the house of God. We bless them now, Lord, for many, many more years to come. In Jesus' name we pray, the great chief shepherd of the faith, their example, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We bless the Lord for them today. Now we're going to ask that you elders and deacons would just face the front, face this beautiful congregation. We're going to get ready to dismiss with the worship band, praying and singing songs to Jesus. If you don't know the Lord, come and know the Lord, pray, and then come and receive counsel. So as we get ready to dismiss, I'll have Pastor Bertel pray for us. But please don't leave the same way you came. If you have questions about Christianity or you've got issues in your life, these elders and deacons up here want to pray for you. Yes. Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you that your word came forth today. We pray, God, that everything that everyone heard, Lord, that is uh, that came from your word that it will go deep into their hearts lord god and that you will continue to water lord god their hearts with your word as they continue to grow in you christ jesus bless everybody and you fill them with your continued grace and mercy as they walk and pursue you jesus and in your name we pray amen here is where i bless 